I walked into the doctor's office. The doctor that, that, that I go to is one of my former students from many years ago, and I walked into her office, and they have this little waiting area, and this waiting area, they have this ambient, peaceful, just this music playing, it's just me and one other person sitting in there, and they had this screen with flowers and all kinds of, you know, just animals just moving slowly, and there's just a the lighting that says, you know, take a deep breath on the wall. I've got my phone with me, and I'm just sitting there, and she was running a little late, and all of a sudden, it's like I, I, I started getting emotional, like, like here, <laughs> like in my eyes. And I just kept kind of going, okay, that's weird, a little bit. Then I kind of understood why, and all of a sudden, it just kept kind of welling up. It's like three weeks ago, and, and I'm thinking, please don't let my doctor come out now and ask me to come in because I just need to get this kind of pressed down and I'm fine and boom, she opens the door up. So I walk into her office and she hugs me because I've known her for a long time and, and she hugs me and I sit down and I just start weeping, just almost uncontrollably weeping. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Hebrews chapter five and six, over these last, we've traveled the last few weeks, it's really setting up Hebrews chapter 7, obviously, and the rest of Hebrews. I'll come back, uh, hopefully. If I don't come back to it, somebody, it's a post-it note, doctor's office, okay? Somebody, just a post-it note. Write it down right now, and you go, hey, got a post-it note here for you. If I don't, if I don't finish that, okay, post-it note. Good? We got to agree on that? Post-it note. I'll come back, maybe. You're going to have to help me. But the writer of Hebrews, in 5 and 6 especially, where we've camped out over the last few weeks, He's realizing he's about to tell the listeners something that's about to blow their mind. It won't blow your mind. And part of the reason is you're not under persecution. You're not undergoing, man, I may, I may walk away from this. This may be too hard. You're not under that. But the bigger thing you're not under is a long history of what priesthood means. He's about to tell them something they have been programmed with from the day they were born, probably. He's about to just, you're going, well, this all makes sense to me, but to them, that's a whole different thing. And I'll say this, I've coached a lot over the years, even not only just from a spiritual standpoint, but I've done it in sports, especially basketball. I would almost rather take a sixth or seventh grader, especially even older, but sixth or seventh grader who's never shot a basketball than one who's shot it, shot it wrong for a long time. Because one of the biggest challenges is reprogramming. You got to get rid of something in order to put something back in. Does that make sense? So he's about to tell them something that their mind's going to have to do this cartwheel or somersault going, wow, okay, I'm going to have to get rid of something before I can take in something. Because if you mingle them, remember, it's not, it's not <clears throat> the old covenant plus Jesus, it's Jesus. That's the reason why you gotta be reprogrammed. Going, it's not that anymore. The old covenant, not that anymore. <clears throat> so when we talk about priesthood today, 
Make sure you understand what these listeners are kind of trying to wrestle with here. Not just the fact they're being persecuted, not just the fact that they may be getting dull in the hearing, as he said, and they're kind of going, okay, he's about to blow their minds to some degree. I I was telling somebody last week, one of the things for me was growing up in church, one of the advantages I have when I came to know the Lord, I didn't have a lot of church baggage. I came to know the Lord, and I was pretty much a clean slate as far as church was concerned. And because any remembrance I had was good. I mean, it had been a decade since I'd really engaged it. So again, you're going to hear this today from a perspective that we hopefully, uh, you're, you're not having to be reprogrammed, but you might be. You might be. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to read the whole chapter. You go, Pastor Kurt, that's a lot of scripture. I'm not sure I'm up for that. I'm not sure I am either because I normally don't do that. But we're going to try it. You with me? If you if you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast. You, is that a deal? Okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. This Melchizedek was the king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. In other words, let me just say right there, just a little caveat. Abraham's coming back from saving Lot. Okay, really, okay, that's where he is. So he kind of give you some perspective there. He's coming back, those who know, if you don't know that, go look up Abraham Lot. Okay, so I don't have time, don't have time to explain what I mean by that, okay? So he blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. That's a good thing, right? heard this this week. I thought it was pretty awesome. I'm going to break this down a little bit. Michael Jr. said, tithe is not our offering. It's just not stealing. Okay, here we go. Oh, it's pretty brilliant myself. It looks like most of you here didn't think it was near as brilliant as I thought it was. First, the name Melchizedek means a king of righteousness, and also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, and we don't have time to get into that today, without genealogy, doesn't mean he didn't have it, just means it's not mentioned in scripture, okay, just so you know that. Without beginning of days or end of life, okay, again, sounds like somebody we, okay, sounds a little bit like somebody we worship, right? But it's not saying that, resembling, resembling, this is really important, resembling the son of God. He remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descendants from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In, in, in one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who declared to be living. One might even say, the Levi, the, to, to say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, he kind of switches gear. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, indeed, the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? 
one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of him, he of him, these things are said, belong to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe had ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. In regard to that, that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what he had, have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. And one who has become a priest is not on the basis of regulation. Boy, I love this. You need to underline this. The one who, I love this. This is like, wow. One who has become priest, not on the basis of regulation to his ancestors, but on the basis of, a, of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are priests forever. In the order of Melchizedek, the former regulation is set aside. It is weak and useless. I'm going to offend some of you here today. If you're still, I'm having to reprogram, is what, what the writer of Hebrews, I'm having to reprogram what you have believed up to this point is weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without oath. Others became priests with, without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn, sworn and will not change his mind. You are priests forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there's been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has, he has, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to see, save completely those who come to God through him. Completely, completely. It's really important. If you listen to chapter six, I mean, last week, and I preached on it, he is able to save you completely. You don't ever have to worry about it. Those who come to God through him because he always intercedes for them. He always intercedes for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted from the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for her for their sins once and for all, when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men and all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. Amen. Amen and amen. And we know most of us when we think about priests, of course, in the Old Testament, they played a vital role. So don't, so don't hear what I'm not saying, that they didn't play an enormous role up to this point. They were the keepers or teachers of, of the law, teachers of history. Uh, they made sacrifices on behalf of the people. But in modern times, we think of the priest more along certain uh, Christian, if you will, Christian uh, religions. I mean, Catholicism probably being uh, Greek Orthodox, we would see that in a different way. <clears throat> those who are listening may see that in a different way. And Jesus comes along and, and kind of, again, what's kind of blowing this up is he's not coming from the Aaronic priest or lineage from Levi. He is coming from Judah. So it's kind of blowing their minds up, right? And Melchizedek, they know about Melchizedek, probably they, they understand, but, but now they've never thought of him in this realm that somehow or another he's going to replace 
And this line of priesthood, Melchizedek, is going to replace what we've always known? Abraham gives him a tenth. That's, and I don't think Abraham gave him a tenth because he was in fear of him. I think scripture very clear he, he, because he honored him. Because he knew who he was. He was called the most, you know, the righteous one on the most high. And what's crazy about this is We now have union and communion because if you listen to what I just shared with you today, Jesus replaces, the others are weak and useless. You've probably said, Kurt, I've been sitting here for, Brandon did a great job, Dr. Dan did a great job, you've done an all right job. Getting us to the point of saying Jesus is superior. I was already convinced we could have moved on. You don't have to tell me all that. You could have moved on because I was convinced of that six weeks ago, that Jesus is superior. I'm there. But Jesus, when he went to the cross and he died, what happened? The veil was torn, split, fell. And what happens when that happens? Now the holy of holies, the access we have to God now is present. Or before it was the clean, it was, I mean, it was the unclean, it was the clean, it was the holy of holies. The clean only got close to the holy of holies, but it couldn't go. The unclean just kind of stayed out here. But now we can walk into the holy of holies? Oh, yeah, I already knew that too. Figured you did. But what makes this so different? Why does this make a difference to us today on August 6th, 2023? Why is what you're teaching in Hebrews 7 make a bitter difference to me or to the people I come in contact with? First Peter 2, 5 through 9. And I'm skipping through a little bit of it, but... You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you proclaim the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And I've preached on this before, but we've never camped out on this part of it. You are a royal priesthood. So let me give you a little history here real quick. Most of you already know it, but I'm going to give it to you real quick. During the medieval church, during the medieval times and the churches along the way, one of the things that was so evident during, the, during that church tradition was that the, that, that the church was celestial, if you will. And in the sense that God had ordained it and he had ordained certain people that you would get your salvation through them. So there would be people who were called priests who would be called to this higher life. Actually, matter of fact, they were above you. Because you, as a commoner, 
would, maybe were not able to be able to receive this grand truth. You couldn't interpret it. You couldn't make sense of it because you were an ordinary common. And then these priests would do this. Uh, the, these priests are these holy ones or these ones that are raised above. Then they would do all the sacraments. And I think there's seven, I think, in the Catholic Church. I think, but they would go through those and, and penance and, and go through. And so your salvation was tied to a person which was tied to a church. Then the Reformation came. Three major things that came out of the Reformation was the sole authority of Scripture. One, sole authority of Scripture. There's nobody above Scripture. The other one is you're saved by faith through grace. The third thing, and I think is the most neglected, and that is the priesthood of the believer. You say, well, maybe there's a reason for that, Kurt. You know, we emphasize those other two, right? The scripture, you don't come to God, you don't have to do penance, you don't have to, you come to him, there's nothing you can't, you can't work your way to salvation. You can't do it. We emphasize those two, right? The authority of Scripture. You can't work your way. It's by God, but it's by faith through Jesus Christ, by his grace. That's how you're saved only. So we emphasize those. Then we talk about the third thing, the priesthood of the believer. Now, here's the crazy thing. When I was in the Baptist church, we talked about that a lot. We don't talk about it much in the church of Nazarene. Now, what it was, Martin Luther thought and believed with all of his heart that we're all called priests. Whether it's the, the plowman or the milk girl or whatever he called them, he said, either one of those you're doing, you're doing things for God. You're just as anointed and you're just as called as this person that we've elevated to be our go-between. He was so convinced. He said, there was no hierarchy where the priesthood was a, a vocation and milking the cow was not. Both were tasks that God called his followers to do, each according to their gifts. To raise up influencers through spiritual transformation, to be salt and light or you're engaged and influential. I don't go wherever you go. I don't do all the things you do. What my job is here is to help you understand when God's speaking to you to make some sense of it. But it is not for me to interpret everything. I'm not your go-between for salvation or necessarily even ministry. I've had two people in this last week, and I want to... One of for sure knows who you are, and the other one may or may not actually came to Jan to me. Was repeated our vision statement back to me, one through a text, the other through. And you think that doesn't make your pastor feel good? Because they were talking about a situation, and they said, Well, you're engaged and influential. The guy plowing the field or the young girl milking the cow.
is just as much a priest as that one standing in the pulpit. There's different callings and different gift mixes. What does that mean for us? Because the big emphasis through the Baptist church, and I appreciate it because it's stuck with me all these years, was the big emphasis there was, again, we don't have to have a go-between. Now, it's good to confess our sins. We believe that. We confess our sins with people who are, can keep confidence. You know, We don't just go blabbering it everywhere. Don't put it on social media. Maybe you do. I don't know, but I recommend thinking that through a little bit. Okay? But I don't need anybody else. I can be out in the softball field. I can be at IMAX. I can be on the hiking trail. I can be wherever, and I have direct access to the Holy of Holies. That's what I have. Doesn't mean I don't talk to other people. God doesn't use other people. We know that. He uses people. He uses his word. He uses a lot of things to speak to us, but we have direct access to him. The other side of that, though, of the direct access thought, is, well, do I creep up to that throne of God kind of scared because he is holy? You're talking about holy of holies. You didn't have to bring that up. I had this kind of, you know, Jesus, my homeboy kind of feel. Now you go holy of holies on me. We have boldness and confident access through faith in him. He sat down at the right hand. It means the, it was finished. And he intercedes for us. So we approach the throne boldly. Not arrogantly, but boldly. But the other side to that part of it, direct access to me, is this. It also means no excuses. If my preacher was a better preacher, I'd be closer to God. If my wife, if my wife who, who, acts, who claims to be a Christian, if she acted better, I, I, I would believe in you. Or if that pastoral leadership or the, or the, or, or, or the TV evangelist, or, or that's the reason I'm not following God. I just saw all that. That's the reason why my kids don't follow the Lord, because they, 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 watched your, they watched your leadership with whatever that is. Or that you were a victim of something, and, that, and it very well you were a victim of it. But here's the deal. If all those things happen from leadership to hypocrisy to all those things, God hates it. But you are without excuse, regardless. How many of you have been blaming something back there because you're not willing to do something today? Direct access does not give you that. You will not stand on judgment. I'm getting a little fired up here. You will not stand on judgment day saying, I heard you, God. I had a direct access to But did you see? Really? 
See, we don't emphasize the priesthood of the believer in that way. Oh, I have direct access to God. I can pray anytime. I can connect. Oh, but we don't flip it on the other side going, yeah, because you have direct access, you have responsibility. And you ain't, here's the crazy thing. That leader or that fallen or that hypocrite could have repented, turned their life around, and be falling after God with all their heart, and you're stuck back there somewhere. You don't know whether they've repented or not, but that's really not your, yeah, you wish you could forgive them. You wish you could, there's a lot of things, and I'm not saying it didn't happen. Do not hear what I'm not saying. It very well may have happened, but let me tell you right now, that is no excuse to not grow. That is no excuse to not move forward. That is no excuse for sure to have access and use that access directly to him. Second thing is, we're a chosen race, a holy generation, a royal priesthood. We're ambassadors of Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've heard me say often here, I don't know what your specific ministry is, like exactly what you should be doing, whether it's hospitality, your gift mix, and we can talk about all that. Uncommon helps us figure that out. But I can tell you what your umbrella ministry is. It's the ministry of reconciliation. If you, are in the, if you are part of consistently dividing, that fits nowhere in the ministry of reconciliation. And if you have friends or anybody else that sees that, needs to be called out. You can't find it in there. Not the ministry of division. One of my favorite places to go to, and some of your folks in here is too, is up in the northwest part of Washington, the United States specifically, but Washington. One of my favorite bridges to go across is Deception Pass Bridge. I don't know if we have that picture up there or not. Okay, there you go. One of my favorite. How many in here like it as their favorite? I know there's some of them back there like it as their favorite. I love that. Now, those waters underneath there, you don't go for a leisurely swim there. Matter of fact, you have to figure out when that water's going in and out, even going on your boat through there. But I love that, thinking about going camping up there if I can find a campsite for too long. Fidalgo, Wigby. There's a lot of ways, there's other ways that you can get from there to there. But the easiest is the bridge. You know what the priest was in the Old Testament? They were the bridge from God to humanity. They were interceding. They were making sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices. Oh, by the way, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, offer yourselves as what? 
living sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto him. That is your reasonable. That is your reasonable. And taking into account, we're going to take communion, taking into account of everything, that is your reasonable act of worship. No longer conforming to the pattern of this world. In other words, you've been programmed one way, but being transformed by morpho, by the renewing of your mind to think like God. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect for you. How many want to know God's will? Well, I'll tell you what, you need to know the rest of that. His good, pleasing. To know means, obviously, the knowledge, but... To know. Therefore, have your mind renewed. And one of the ways that's so important in the priesthood of the believer is this. You are the bridge from humanity who is lost to a God who loves them. You're it. Is there other ways they can get there? Of course. God didn't trust us that much. He trusted us a lot. He just didn't trust us that much to be the only way to get to Jesus. Jesus is the only way, but there's multiple ways to get to him. There's a boat that you can swim. There's a lot of different ways you can get there to that island. But the easiest is a bridge of integrity. Where'd it go? Put it back, put it back up there. And you know what people are looking for? They're not looking for a compromised bridge. They're not looking for a rickety bridge. They're looking for a bridge of integrity. That's the bridge they will use to cross. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. We are bridges of reconciliation. Reconciliation back to God, reconciliation to each other, reconciliation to our divine purpose, divine purpose, and divine purpose. That's what this is all about. Oh, I just want to have access to God. That's my, when I want him and I need him, I'll go through these people sometimes, but I'll go, when I need to get to God, I'll go right there. Oh, it comes with some responsibility. So the privilege, so the last one is, the privilege of priesthood, priesthood comes with responsibility, not entitlement. The privilege of priesthood comes with responsibility, not entitlement. If you have privilege in our society, you have privilege in your marriage, you have privilege in your funds, guess what? That doesn't, privilege doesn't equal entitlement, privilege equals responsibility. Some reason, somehow, you many times you didn't have any option to be born in that family. You have privilege, you have security, you have it could be financial, could be emotional. But my goodness, guys, because you have that privilege, you now have responsibility. Not entitlement. See, when you signed up to follow Christ, a lot of things you didn't know. Anybody amens to that? A lot of things you didn't know you were signing up for. I just wanted to get to heaven. 
I wanted to miss hell. Anybody been there? I wanted to see grandma again. You did that. A lot of reasons why people come to follow Christ. But most often, you don't know what you're signing up for. You didn't know you were signing up for the priesthood. You didn't know you were signing up for the priesthood. Ministry of reconciliation. Interceding. As a pastor, one of the things I have to fight is just the opposite of what most of you fight. What most of you fight is, I don't want to be a priest, I just want my pastor to take care of it, or I want somebody more spiritual than me to take care of it. Agreed? Yeah, you don't have to shake your head, but I... I I, I see you now, but, but for me, I have to realize at times I'm not in the Catholic Church. I'm not in the Greek Orthodox Church. I am not the holy man. I am a man who desires to be holy in sight of God, but I am not the holy man. Your denomination will try to make you the holy man, but for sure your congregation will try to make you the holy man. It's exhausting. It's unsustainable. You end up having six weeks of vacation and you take two maybe. You work six, seven days a week most of the time. Because somehow or another you've got in your mind and nobody's helped you change it. Oh, yeah, you're called, Pastor, appreciate that, but you're also the holy man. You're the one that's going to bring fire down from the mountain because you're the lead pastor especially. Back to that doctor's office. I'd driven a lot of miles the week before. In some beautiful country, stunning country from Montana, from Stevensville, Montana, through Jackson Hole back to Phoenix. Had gone up similar the same way. A lot of time to reflect. An emotional time. Now we'll get into all of what that means, but obviously an emotional time marrying our fourth child is someone we love dearly and Ben, like one of our kids now. But a lot of time to reflect. 63 years old. How many good summers do I have left in me? I don't know. I'm going to try to push it off as far as I can. I really am. Very intent about that. Because this church doesn't, you really don't you, don't, you think you do, but you don't. You don't pay me to preach. I'm not here today because I am a decent preacher. 
I'm here today because God has called me to lead. That's why, he's, that's why I'm here. He's given me the gift of apostleship, and I do believe that. That's starting new works. And that's what God called me to do here at Renovation Church by helping shut it down, doing something that really this district and this state of Arizona and the church in that area had never done before. And here you are. With a trusting group of people that I see a few of them here, they trusted us. If we're not careful, we move me into the holy man instead of the man who's come here to lead, no matter what that means, whether I'm preaching twice a month or I'm preaching four times a month or I'm preaching or whatever that is. It's like anything else in life. You have to come to the point going, there ain't nobody else going to help me. I'm going to have to take control of this. Because I think often people say, people would say, well, pastor, you're right about that. Man, you need to live that way, except I need you for that role in my life. That's the way kind of Jan, when Jan quit cutting hair, they were saying, Jan, you need to slow down. You need to quit cutting so much hair, but can you still do mine? And can you do it at 5.45 in the morning? And some of you get a yes on that because we love you. But it's kind of the same thing. And if you don't take control of it, they nobody else going to stop you. So I walk in... Let me give you a little context of that room. I sit down there, and I've got my phone out, which I never, ever do when I walk. I, I'm honestly, I'd never take my phone out, but I wanted to show my doctor, who I've known for 25 years, as a young girl in high school, all the way up to her doing what she's doing now. Awesome young lady, awesome believer, leads on a worship team in her church, and just awesome. I wanted to show her some pictures. The only reason I had it. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out as I'm sitting in the, in, the, in, in, in the waiting area what pictures I'm gonna show her. And this ambient music's just kind of chilling me out. And I'm looking at pictures of Allie and myself and different ones of our family. I'm looking at a picture of Jane and I, 38 years Picture of my, my brother had sent me a picture of my mom and dad when they were just young. I mean, like pups, <laughs> young, like 20 years old, 22 years old. And he just started coming over me, realizing I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. But if I want another 25 years, I got to get control of this. And I can no longer, this is God's church, it's not mine. It wasn't the day I came over here. July 16, 2012 was my first day as part of, rent, uh, of renovation Biltmore Church. July 16, 2012. It wasn't my church then. It's not my church now. Because I'm not the holy man. I'm just a guy who's trying to live into his gift mix the way he's called to and try to have access God the way that I should, like all of you should, to encourage you to be the priest that you should be, to write curriculum and, and, and encourage and develop to you to be where you're engaged and influential because I'm never going to be the priest where you show up all the time. I don't know all the circumstances. And the other one is I need to start taking my vacation and I am going to start working on that because you ain't going to make me. And what I mean by it is, you won't make me. <laughs> I have to make myself. That means I won't be up here as much. 
because I trust God. I'm gonna take sabbatical sometime, someday, sooner than later. <laughs> I'm trusting God. We've got a great team here. I'm glad to have our team members back. Amen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. As I've said here before, many of you have heard it, when I left 400 Johnson in Wake Village, Texas, and we did, and we drove off in that Penske truck and my nice-looking Lumina on the back of it <laughs> and that Astro van with Jan and the four kids in it, when we drove off from there and my mom kneeling in the front yard crying as we drove off knowing we may not ever move back there again, and we have not because I had to bury my parents from a distance. Now, I'm close with my family, and many of you know that. I am super close still to this day. My parents are gone. But it's because of the holy nation. I'm part of the gentry clan, the tribe. But my number one tribe I'm a part of is the holy nation, the royal priesthood. And we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. But we need rest. I recommend that for all of you. <laughs> I'm going to try to figure it out for myself. But the biggest thing I want you to know, I'm here to help lead you, but also walk beside you. And I hope those things work together. Amen? Amen. Just I want you to come. We're going to, let me do a couple things here.